Today is February 18th, 2018. The title of today's message is Baptism and Perseverance. Baptism and Perseverance. Everybody turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 11. And what do we say when we are there? There There we go. There. It is good to be with the family of God this morning. Amen? I couldn't be, I couldn't reiterate what Pastor Eric and, and Jennifer were saying earlier, that I am extremely proud of this church. You can barely get family members together for a reunion that is only 10 or 15 miles away from where they live. But when you're in the family of God, they will travel over six hours to attend a wedding and six hours back to get back home within 24-hour time period. That is the family of God. Amen? The past few weeks, we have had the opportunity to glean the fruit of men's labor in God's Word, such as messages titled, Family Entrapment by Pastor Wade. Wasn't that a powerful word? Talking about some scandal on. And Cult Leader by Pastor Eric. Wasn't that a good word? If you're going to love Jesus, you better own every part of it that comes with it. That includes being called a cult leader. Last but not least, last Wednesday we heard from our guest speaker, a missionary in Africa, Tori Rasmussen. He served up a soul-slicing word about Christ our rock and being fruitful in God's kingdom. Y'all want to be fruitful in God's kingdom? Amen. You know, over the past couple of months, you guys have received an immense amount of good teaching. And let me share with you the goal of this message and what's been burning in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I want you to continue to do what is good. Like I said, I want you to continue to do what is good. And that's going to come through perseverance. At the end of this message, I'll tie in what baptism has to do with it. But let's get started in Luke 8, verse 11. There you go. This is the meaning of the parable. Don't you like it whenever Jesus says that? It helps a lot. The seed is God's word. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. We had a little bit of that this morning. Whenever the call of God went out during worship to those who were distressed, those who needed to respond and come forth and present themselves before the Lord, the word hit your heart and the devil came along and he stole it with a lie or an excuse. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. Have you ever met anybody like this? Same here. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the same time of testing, they fall away. Take that, Calvinist. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. And here's our key. And by persevering, everybody say persevering. Persevering. And by persevering, produce a crop. Let's break this down a little bit. The first soil. Everybody say first soil. First soil. There we go. First soil had no acceptance of the word. 
Secondly, it had no trust-grounded obedience. We call this trust-grounded obedience because just using the word faith is too empty in our English language. Faith is action. Faith is action. It's trust-grounded obedience. It had, it, this first soil did not have that. Therefore, it had no salvation and it had no fruit. I've met people like this. They've been part of my lives for over 25 years. Where I've watched their life come within this building, come within the move of God happening at the moment. And their hearts were hardened. Much like some of you in here today, the Spirit of God was calling them to present themselves and receive the Word and thereby receive salvation and produce fruit. They would weep. In fact, some of them would even come in and knew precisely when worship would be over. And the minute that the song would, the songs would stop, we'd begin to make our announcements, they would come through the door and sit down. And I had a vantage point as a worship pastor to see this on a continual basis. And I knew they were sitting in their car waiting for the sound to die down so they could walk in this building and be free from conviction but soothe their conscience with attendance. It happens every single day, not just on Sundays. But the same people that do that are the same people that will listen to a radio message of someone preaching the gospel. And the devil will swoop down and he will steal that seed from their ears and their heart. And he will rob them of the salvation and life that God has for them. They may even have the softest hearts that you've ever seen. But there's only one destination for that soft heart if it does not receive God's word. And that is a hardness of heart. That mimics exactly what happened to Pharaoh. In the end, you will drown in a sea of death. And be separated from God on an eternal basis. What are you going to do with this word? Because you have to give an account when it's presented to you. Let's look at the second soil. Second soil had no roots. No attachment to discipleship. We learned that in our Talmudim series in January. And they were not prepared for perseverance. Come on, say it with me. They had no... They had no perseverance. You know, I mentioned earlier, do you know somebody like this that received their word with joy? That's a pretty good indicator that something has begun to bring life. I've seen people come to this altar and they lay down their lives. They respond to the word and their lives immediately change. They go from death to light, darkness to light, like the word that came forth during worship. And the chaos and the disorder and the mess that they have made of their own lives begins to get put back in order. But what happens the minute that their family members begin to say that they're in a cult? What happens the minute that all of a sudden you have this persecution, this pressure, this sun scorching of that fruit that's starting to bear up in their hearts? They die out. All of a sudden, you don't see them come to church anymore. Or maybe even this, on a lighter note. They come down, their lives are changed. They're part of a family of God. They're riding everybody's coattails in the faith. They're trying to attach themselves. 
But the reason I use riding coattails is because they're associating themselves with righteousness without actually putting it into practice. And by doing so, they're crediting themselves with fruit when it's really not their fruit, it's somebody else's. That they have a shallow walk. And the next thing you know, here's the lighter version. One of the pastors comes down and says, you know, I really think that this in your life needs to change. Because this is called life-changing ministries. And according to God's word, this is what you are doing. This is what the word says about it. And this is what you need to do differently. And we just put our finger on a little bit of idolatry. I don't know, maybe like living with someone when you're not married. That kind of thing. And all of a sudden, their shallowness of root begins to cling to their own preservation of their idolatry. And they are scorched by that word. And they wither, dry up, and never dawn these doors again. All the time. I've seen it happen too many times. So, let's go to the third soil. Third soil... And honestly, I think this is the more numerous one that I see. The third soil allows parallel growth. Make sure you want to write this down. Parallel growth of non-kingdom fruit. I don't know, maybe something like a wheat and tear growing next to each other. It allows parallel growth of non-kingdom fruit next to their obedience. Well, the very first command that God gave the nation of Israel and absolutely applies to us is that you are to have no other gods beside me. Wives, how many of you would like your husband to have another wife beside you? No. Hell no. Not just no, hell no. Guys, how many of you would like your wife to have a husband beside you? It ain't gonna happen, no. Hell no. So, this soil allows parallel growth of non-kingdom fruit next to their obedience. And it looks something like this. Desires that they have. Maybe like a desire for comfort. If only I could just work a little harder in my job, put in some more extra hours, we can have that cushion, you know? So that we don't have to sweat it as much each month. It's reasonable. It's logical. In fact, it's prudent. It's wise. But what you are exchanging that comfort for is attaching. What you're exchanging that comfort for is modeling. And what you're giving into is a scandal on. It's a trap. That that love of money will trap you. Because it's a love of comfort rather than the kingdom. Well, you got offenses. Right? Because nothing brings to light your offenses more than correction. I mean, it just it puts its finger right on it. So you have this non-kingdom parallel fruit next to your obedience. And somebody comes by and says, hey, that's a weed growing next to your obedience. I know you're doing, doing prison ministry and all, but you know what? You kind of have an element of selfish ambition in this. You always seek to give your word first and you run over everybody else's time to share. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did, am I pulling up some roots of your weeds here? That's right. We don't have weed in this church. 
but we're still going to get high. Amen. <laughs> so offenses come, scandalons come, entrapments. They're seeking to choke you out. This is beginning to drive in that you have to have perseverance. And it's not just a semblance of bearing something good, but it's making sure that you are annihilating that which seeks to choke out that you're bearing that is good. The third soil did not make it because they had no perseverance. Once again, they had no perseverance. There you go. We're hammering it in. You know, some of the examples I've seen this in this church have been those that have exchanged the kingdom of God that has transformed their life, that bore fruit in their life for barbecue pit gatherings in various places in Texas, foreign wives, and I don't mean international, I mean outside the kingdom. They have let offenses come and sever them from the body of Christ. If they just would have lovingly received a correction and been like a wise man mentioned in Proverbs, that he loves a rebuke, they would still be here. They would still be bearing fruit. Because each and every one of you has what the others need. And the body of Christ needs you to contribute. And you need them to contribute in your life. We cannot allow ourselves to be severed from the family of God over something so pitiful, something so petty, over a pursuit of what? Pursuit of something that is death. So we must, we must persevere. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about the fourth soil. Y'all ready to get happy? Yeah. Yeah. Say, I'm a fourth soil. Because I persevere. Amen. So the fourth soil, its characteristics are a heart that is noble and good. A heart that is noble and good. Secondly, it hears the word. Next, and it retains the word. Amen. Amen. And it produces fruit, 160 and 30 fold. And it's able to because this soil had the ability to persevere. There we go. (laughs) Perseverance is the only method by which we can bear fruit to God. Let me reread this real quick at the end of uh, Luke 8. I think it's verse 13. Where is it at? You can put it up there on the screen. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. By persevering, you have the ability to produce a good crop. You know, when this church first started, how many people were in it? Two and a half. That was Eric and Jen and their kids. 
And what Perseverance has done from 2002 to 2018 is that it has replicated the kingdom of God in other people's lives. And you sitting here today are a testament that persevering produces a crop. Amen. Amen. You know what's even more important? You can do the exact same thing. This isn't just for five-fold ministry. This is for every believer. Did you hear a declaration of separation in this parable that only those in five-fold ministry are pertaining to this? No. This requirement is for every single believer because there will be a day that you will stand before the living God and he is going to be the chief fruit inspector. Okay, you did produce fruit. What kind of fruit are we talking about? But by persevering in the things of God, you're going to replicate the things of God and produce fruit unto God. I know many of you are are like me in that you hear the word perseverance and you know what it means, right? Right? Yeah, I, I, I got that. I got that. You reflect back on your younger years when you were experienced in physical training or stress. And you persevered. Or your relation to the word perseverance may be something more of recent events. Trials that kicked you up one side of the street and down the other. 2017 was like that for quite, quite a few of you. And yet you persevered. In either case, whether it be past or present, our lives are fruitless and barren without perseverance. So let's take a look at the Greek definition of this word perseverance. To get a better understanding. Y'all want to do that? Yes. Amen. And y'all got little sleep. Y'all staying alive. You're doing good. This is Strong's number, 5281. It's Greek. And the word is hupomone. Sounds like a, a Hawaiian word, right? Isn't that right, Peyton? Hupomone. Something like that. It means, no, it's actually Greek. It's not Hawaiian. To persevere, remain under, a bearing up under, patience, endurance as to things or circumstances. Here's my favorite part that I want to really extrapolate from this. Hupomone is associated with hope and refers to that quality of character, which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It's a quality of character, and it's associated with hope. Do you want people in your life that you can depend on? Absolutely. Are you the kind of person that others can depend on? Amen. We got God's word to help sift through our hearts. That's what we want from other people. It's what we need. But the place that we start is this within us. Do we possess that quality of character that does not allow the surrendering to a circumstance or being succumbed to a trial? Here's a simple question. How do you do under pressure? Because I I think, if you're like me, I think you imagine yourself much more the hero before the pressure ever gets there. That you're a, a valiant warrior in a time of stress. But when you're actually there, things can be much different. 
So quality of, uh, quality of character that does not quit is equivalent to perseverance. Say it one more time. You'll say the word with me. Quality of character that does not quit equals perseverance. Amen. I like this church. I love this church. If you're finding yourself falling short in the quality of character department, then the best thing you could partake of to remedy this deficit is suffering. So let's go to Romans chapter 5. We'll start in verse 1 and go down to verse 4. Say there when you are there. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody says amen to that, right? Amen. Amen. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let me repeat this one more time. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. And there is a reason why. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. The word perseverance here is hupomone. It produces a quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb to trial. This is going to be an easy question to answer. Raise your hand if you've ever suffered for doing what is righteous. Amen. Because if I said just suffered in general, I think every hand would go up regardless, but maybe because you did something stupid. So for righteousness... That's what I want to declare. So you're all familiar with this. Doing something righteous, obedience to God's word, obedience to the leading of the Holy Ghost, has led to a suffering that then you had to persevere through. Now, don't raise your hands on this one. I'll raise mine. Who's ever suffered for doing what is righteous and quit? Just gave up. Maybe just see, let me make it a little easier. You know, let's, let's go to... Child T-ball here, right? You quit in your heart. It's like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. I think that's more relational. I have. We've all been there at that point. But there's a hope that we have. Suffering is the spade by which the hardened hearts of men are turned into rich soil and bearing fruit unto God 160 and 30 times. We, as we finish this verse, that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. You have to see the complete picture when you're standing in suffering and when you're then persevering that there is a hope, a destination of hope that you are going to. And that Jesus is leading you. He's shaping you. He's forming your character in order that you may possess hope. You have to have that hope. Let's go a little bit further. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 3. Amen. 
Because we're going to be that fourth soil. Amen? First yes. Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3 We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love. And your endurance or hupomone inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. What does it do for you in your heart when you see someone or you met someone who has suffered great trials for doing what is right and they overcame and God's power sustained them? It gives you inspiration. You have no fear. You have the ability to overcome that desire to quit. You develop that consistency of perseverance. That will never let go of what God has put inside of your hand. Why do we need the family of God? Why do we need each other? I need to see Keith persevere. I need to see Justin Treaster. I need to see Rick Laughlin persevere. Because I can tell you from watching uh, church end of the year videos from five Maybe even three years back, there are people in that video that are no longer here with us. And it grieves my soul. But you know what revives my soul and inspires me to hope? When I see that year after year after year, there is the same people persevering with the things of God and bearing fruit unto God. I need that from you. You need that from me. So let's not quit. Let's not give up on each other. Let's inspire each other with the perseverance so that we give each other the hope that we need. Amen. Amen. If Paul did not show perseverance, we would not be even reading verse 4 here. Let's read it. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Paul's perseverance in the faith provided for them an inspiration of hope. And without his perseverance, how much would we be lacking in God's word? We'd be missing more than just verse 4. We'd be missing two-thirds of our newer testament. How much do you have to contribute to God's kingdom. What will your perseverance produce? Will you stick with what God has? And what may even happen is that 100, 200 years from now, your family line, something that you gleaned from God's word and wrote down, may bring an inspiration for generations to come. This is the hope that we have to look forward to. Well, let's look at some other things about perseverance. Can I start with myself? Amen. Go FCA on you. uh, Fellowship of Carnal Athletes. That's what we had in high school. It was absolutely true. They accepted Eric and I, and we were the worst sinners on campus. And we led the Bible studies. How about that? We did. They served it every time to get us there. So my freshman year, new high school, I'd only played football in middle school, 
which is basically just run around falling down in the mud. And the day I show up, seniors, the varsity team, quit. Like, they didn't just sit on the bench. They left the school. It was a private school. Because the coach wasn't doing a good enough job that would ensure them to get a possible scholarship. So they were transferred to another school. That left a huge void. I was 155 pounds soaking wet with my gear on. I know you can't imagine it, that I was skinny back then, but it was possible. That first season was god-awful. It was hellacious. We went a big fat O and 10. For those of you not familiar with what those numbers mean, that means zero wins and 10 losses. It sucked. It was horrible. Can I tell you that by the time we got to that 10th game, we're all like, yeah, why even just show up? Let's hand a card that just says, you win. And as the season would normally go, your harder opponents were at the tail end of the season. Your easier ones at the, end, at the beginning. So here we are. I'm 155 pounds with all my gear, and I'm facing giants. I mean, Nephilim on the field. I look like a pebble bouncing off of a wall when I hit them. There's nothing that I can do right, and yet we're having to train every single day. I was lost during that time period, too. So my vernacular on the field, not necessarily something you want to repeat from a pulpit or maybe even in person. It was pretty wretched and sinful. The next year, I was born again. Amen. And we did a little better. We went like, I don't know, three and seven. It's better than 0 and 10. Around that time, I'm thinking, Lord, I love you. I'm head over heels in love with Jesus. I'll never quit on you. But I really don't want to play football anymore. This, this is horrible. And don't, please don't use this. You guys on camera, don't use this as justification. But the Lord did tell me to stick with football. And for this reason... One, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because in my day, whenever you backed out of sports that were difficult and hard, you were frowned upon just because you were abandoning your brothers for something that was more comfortable and more easy. Had little to do with a pigskin going up and down a field. Had everything to do with brotherly commitments and attachment. I could not let my brothers down. And the camaraderie that had been built between us in the 0-10 season would then be lost and I would have no friends because no group would want to associate with someone who was a quitter. Well, by the time we get to our senior year, you know what our, our record was at the end of the year? 0-10. 0-10. I mean, we succeeded in failing. If ever there was a paradox, that's it. Well, by this time, I'm born again about two and a half years. I'm going through intense and wonderful discipleship. But I'm asking the Lord, what are you doing? You know, my, my buddies, my friends that uh, were now born again, but part of that camaraderie that I had my freshman year, they graduated. They're gone. And I have just one other friend left with me. And I'm thinking, Lord, 
why am I having to go through this? That we would have to run 40-yard sprints for every point the opposing team made. So whenever they scored 72 points, we had to run 72 sprints. And those were the ones that qualified. If anybody was lacking in any of the rotations of that one sprint, it didn't count. We had to do it over. We did a total of 85 after practice, both days. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm shaping your character, son. What does it mean to you if everything you put your hand to, you have everything you need, you have all the tools that are required, all the strength and the comfort, and you succeed? But what will it mean even more if you are given every opportunity to complain and you don't? You don't have the tools that are required and yet you get the job done. You don't have the strength to complete the task. You have to play both ways, an average of 210 plays per game. And you still do it anyway and you rejoice and love me and celebrate what I'm doing in your life. It taught me to persevere. That something as simple in high school with a stupid boy's game. Right. He taught me to persevere. I did not know the depth at which that would carry me for the next 20 to 30 years of my life. When I'm looking at going into ministry, I know I'm called. I knew I was called when I was 16. In fact, I was at a Baptist church. That's even more of a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> I was born again for three months, and I had no idea how this worked at a church. I was new to church in general. I was a good Catholic that went three times a year. And so I'm sitting there, and he says, if you feel called to the full-time ministry, come down forward. And I couldn't resist. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. felt like somebody just lifted me out of my chair and drug me down to the front. Drug me because I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just know that it was right. So that call that was instilled in that moment didn't come to actual fruition until I was 38. And in that interim of 16 to 38, I'm as close to ministry as anybody can get. For 10 years, mentored, part of a worship team, part of a ministry team. Then moving here in 2004, working full time while starting a ministry with Pastor Eric. And from 2004 to 2013, Nine years of persevering and doing what's right day after day after day, building a family on top of that. My wife being an absolute anchor and support in every way, staying home for 12 years from foundations classes to take care of our children. Having four children or three children within the span of four and a half years. That's a lot of diapers. That's a lot of persevering that my wife did in order to support the call of God upon my life. Amen. You know, I also saw this, this element of persevering in my mom's life. Everybody knows that this woman right here, blonde hair, black shawl, that's my mom. I look nothing like her. She actually gave me birth. I'm not adopted. My early years are memories of her perseverance. 
She raised me. The age of five, it was just me and her and my brother. And over the series of years and several other marriages, men were part of our home and our life. They began to serve God and they quit. I watched it up close. I had men in my life that were mentoring me. They were shaping me. They were teaching me God's word. My life was blooming. The call of God was beginning to come alive at the age of nine. And because they couldn't have what they wanted when they wanted, they walked out on God and walked out on my mom and me. But my mom stayed true to Jesus. Amen. As time went by, she taught me how to clean. Yes. One of the things that she took up on her own as part of her work assignment where, where she was. She was an accountant, by the way. But she started cleaning the offices. I think for two parts, one was to help save money, but this was a, a fairly wealthy guy. I just think that she wanted it cleaned her way. <laughs> and she wanted it done right. She persevered with the model set before her. So as a result, I would go help her clean. We would vacuum floors. We would do everything. And it helped instill in me a confidence and a perseverance that would never quit. That her example to me helped shape the character that I now possess and I'm transferring to my family and to yours. Over the course of time, our perseverance will prove itself right. You know, my mom also set the example of opening up her home. I remember the days when she would have prayer meetings. She would have Bible studies. And she lives with us now. And you know what she does everywhere she goes? She cooks something fantastic. Yeah. You hear that, Mom? Don't ever tell me you got nothing to offer in this body. Look, she can make you, make you feel like you're eating something that you'll immediately gain 10 pounds from, but you'll lose about five. That's how gifted she is. Everybody turn to Revelation 14, verse 12. Hang in there with me. I'm going somewhere. Another occurrence of the word hupomone is here, Revelation 4.12. This calls for patient endurance. Patient endurance is hupomone. On the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. How do you want your life to end? Do you want to be associated with this verse? Do you want this to declare the sum total of your life? Or would it read something in the opposite nature? That you did not obey God's commandments. You didn't remain faithful to Jesus. That you aren't blessed after you die. Because you didn't die in the Lord. That you will not rest from your labor and your deeds of wickedness follow you. Your deeds of self-sufficiency of being choked out by life's worries, of abandoning the things of God. I don't know about you, I want the sum total of my life to look exactly 
like this verse. And nothing less. There's a nation that has had to patiently endure sufferings of many kinds and to this day has remained standing when all others in their past are no more. That is the nation of Israel. They still have a language. They still have a culture. And more importantly, they still have their land. Y'all want a little, uh, little factoid real quick? So we drove from Sugarland here to Matamoros. That distance is the same distance from Mount Hermon to Elat, the very north and the very south of Israel. It's about a six-hour drive. And that's if you went through the Palestinian areas. That our very existence of the nation of Israel is a testimony to God's fulfillment of perseverance in this nation. There is no nation more deserving than the total recompense of justice than Israel is. And we would do well to join in their perseverance. You know, I was kind of curious. We're all good Bible students here. I want to see if there was a Greek word ever used in the Septuagint, uh, or there was hupomone used in the Septuagint. And I just happened to find it in the following. Joy, if you could put up that Jeremiah scripture. This is Jeremiah 13, or 17, 13. The waiting, the hupomone of Israel, O Lord, all the ones forsaking you, let them be disgraced. Ones revolting upon the ground, let them be written, for they abandoned the spring of life, the Lord. Let's look at this in the NIV. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. You know, it's here I remember Jesus writing in the dust after the woman was caught in adultery and brought to him. In their effort to trap him, these men fell into the devil's scandalon that would lead them to the forsaking of the spring of living water. What does the soil of your heart look like? Is it shallow? Is it able to wait? Is it able to persevere? Does it have the character that will not quit, will not succumb to trial? Are your righteous deeds being choked out by the cares and worries of the world? Do you need a season of suffering to turn the soil of your heart? You know, my desire this morning and in this word is to encourage myself and encourage you and wash you in perseverance so that you can bear abundant kingdom fruit. Amen. You know, Septuagint chooses to use hupomone in Jeremiah 17, 13 to convey a hope associated with a quality of character that perseveres. Let's you look at the Hebrew word used for hope in this next slide. Starting from right, moving left, the hope of Israel. This word hope, Strong's number, 4723. It is mikveh. Let's go to the next slide. Mikveh is something waited for, confidence, but also a collection of water, a pond, 
a caravan or a drove. The connection between Hupamone and Mikveh is not apparent at one's first glance. But if you can imagine what daily life in ancient Israel would look for. So, how much does water weigh per gallon? Does anybody know? Eight pounds. 8.3 pounds per gallon. So if I have a five-gallon bucket, I'm looking at over 40 pounds of water. Let's put this to perspective in Israel in their time. Raise your hand if you've been to Masada. If you've actually been there. There you go. So about a quarter of the room. Masada is roughly 1,300 feet above sea level. And you have the Dead Sea right next to it. So you literally have to climb uh, 14 or 1,300 feet. I said, I said above sea level. Masada is sea level. Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below. And that's the distance that you have to climb to get up to Masada. Can you imagine just a five-gallon bucket of water having to climb 1,300 feet? No. My wife says no. She had the wonderful opportunity to see the vast array, the cascade of terrain of Masada as we traveled via trolley car up to Masada. Then she became intimately familiar with every rock on the way down and stopping to take pictures from time to time and catch her breath. Can you imagine what daily life would look like that you would have, ladies, this earthen jar filled with, let's just say, 40 pounds, maybe more, of water and having to carry it on your back or carrying it on your head and traveling up that distance just so that life can be sustained. Your children are waiting at the top. They see you traveling. They're starting to run out of water. We can only go three days without it. Wouldn't you say that they're carrying a jar of hope? They're carrying a jar of hope. But it's not until they have persevered in their travels all the way up to Masada that hope is finally delivered. That seeing mothers and even seeing children travel with that water is a consistency. It's a perseverance that inspires hope. What are you carrying? How long are you carrying it? You know that your testimony is like those women carrying that water up a difficult climb, bringing substance and life to other people that are in a dry and thirsty land. What will the character of your life say? In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 35. Say, there when you are there. Y'all staying with me? Amen. Verse 35. Anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes unclean. An oven or a cooking pot must be broken up. They are unclean and you you are to regard them as unclean. A spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water. 
remains clean. But anyone who touches one of these carcasses is unclean. Just see here, there's a declaration of a spring. A spring is a constant running of water. A cistern for collecting water. This word, mikveh, is a cistern for collecting water. But let's bring this home a little bit. Are you flawed? Yes. Am I flawed? Yes. Are we flawed? Yes, absolutely. We have the ability, but more importantly, we have the responsibility to carry the things of God on our shoulder because what we are bringing is either this collection of water or we're opening up a constant fountain of water. And in either regard, people are able to come to it and their carcasses, their dead flesh can then fall into it and they are still clean as they wash within it. You know, this word is the foundation for the Hebrew word that is the laver in the altar. There's a slight variation in vows, but the letters are identical. That what the, the priests would do, they would intercede and mediate for the people. They would offer a sacrifice on the, on the burnt offerings. Then they would go and they would wash in this collection of water. And what would fall off is their interaction with death. And what would result is a clean source of life. It would allow them to persevere and then have access into the holy place and once a year, the most holy place. That we need this washing in God's presence. We need this washing of His water. And it comes through perseverance. Let's go to Ezra chapter 10. Start in verse 2. As you're turning there, I just want you to reflect on the fact that Hupomone carries the hope that gives life to our souls. And it opens up a spring that never runs dry. Ezra 10 verse 2. Then Shekaniah... Shekaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, I know, that's great. We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. Listen to this. I mean, we have several married couples in here, right? Imagine this as a married couple. But in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. There is still hope. Mikveh. You look it up in the Septuagint, it's Hupomone. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children. It was their women. It was their children they were sending away. Because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, but their hope to persevere was found in the covenant with the living God. In accordance with the counsel of my Lord and all those who fear the commands of our God, let it be done according to the law. Perseverance develops character. Say it again. Perseverance develops character. Remember that 1 Thessalonians 1.3 states that hupomone inspires hope. What's it called when you don't stop? 
Perseverance. What's it called when you don't stop? Perseverance. What's it called when you don't stop? Perseverance. Amen. It's almost going to 80s or 90s rap song on that. Romans 2, chapter 6. We'll pick up the pace. So remember, the title of this message was Baptism and Perseverance. They go hand in hand. Hupomone and Mikveh. Romans 2, verse 6. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who buy persistence, this is Hupomone, in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. What are you persevering in doing good? Reflect on that. What are you persevering in doing what is good? Such as, are you pressing into discipleship? Have you heard the message in January and you have been pressing into discipleship ever since you heard the message attached? You're doing it for almost a month now. Great. Keep doing it. Do it for another month and another and another. Put years on top of months. And watch the fruit of God will bear from your life. Are you inviting others into your life and conquering the fear of failure and vulnerability? We fellowship a lot in this house. But do you just go over to other people's houses? And that's where you feel the most comfortable. But you're not inviting people into your own. Open up your lives. Conquer that fear. If you did it once, great. Don't check it off and then forget about it. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Invite people into your life. Have you loved Jesus so intensely that your own family members are saying you're in a cult? Fantastic. Love him some more. Amen. <laughs> you know, there was once a phrase I heard in my early days when... 17 to 20 year olds were getting baptized and full of the Holy Ghost, leaving their denominational churches and going back home, freaking their parents out. Their parents were saying, yeah, I don't like who you are now. I like who you were then when you were worldly, getting high, sleeping around and skipping school. They didn't say those last phrases, but that's exactly who they used to be. They said, it's like you just reek of Jesus. And they smiled and took it as a badge of honor. Amen. Yeah. And I'm going to keep on reeking with Jesus. Now, I've been in love with Jesus since February 17th, 1992. And the intensity of that love hasn't even diminished a bit. In fact, it's intensified. Amen. I've seen the character of God around me and the men and women that have carried this torch along my side. I've seen the fruit that results from persevering. And there's only two options. It's life or it's death. I want life through perseverance. How about this? Have you made any disciples? Have you made one? You made two? Praise God. Go make some more. Let's make some disciples. Let's take our way of life and transfer it to other people. So what is required? is that we need the power of God in order to persevere. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. 
One of my favorite scriptures. It really lays it out. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. Do you see the connection that what begins with suffering, that ends with hope, the declaration of hope here that Paul is giving is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you have received power from high. Then you will go be my witnesses. My martyrs is exactly what the Greek word says. You'll be able to go and endure what you cannot endure in your strength alone. We need the power of God to persevere. That is the connection between Hupomone and Mikveh. Hupomone is a character that won't quit. Can't you admit that you're possibly lacking in this character? Mikveh is like running water or carrying a cistern. And bringing these two ideas together, God is pouring out his spirit that gives Running water that gives that collection of water until that character is developed within us. I need the power and presence of God in me to carry me through and help me persevere. You know what perseverance is an indicator of? That you got it wrong, but you're going to keep trying to get it right. That the power of God is there in your effort to continue to do what is right. To those who by perseverance seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. That is that running water. And in by doing so, you become that source of running water. You become that mikveh, that collection of hope. What we saw displayed in worship today was beautiful. Because it matched the very substance of this word of baptism and perseverance. And what people began to experience even before the service began during worship practice is getting filled with the Holy Ghost. What I want to do is wash you and give you the encouragement to keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't back up. Don't quit. You need the power of God to continue what he's given you. Three, four, five years from now. Be in the will of God. Be making more than what you're making today. So here's what I want to do. I want to go back to that place of worship. I want to go back to that empowerment of God. I want to see every one of you get filled with his Holy Ghost because you need the filling of his Holy Ghost today. So let's begin to stand to our feet. We will pray and we will return back to that same spot.